morning. We want to greet each and every one of you in the name of the Lord this morning. First of all, I know that our pastor is going to greet you in this way, but being that I'm the first one that you have to look at that gets to speak to you this morning on behalf of Pastor Bob. Well, on behalf of Pastor Bob, because today is about the mamas. On behalf of Pastor Bob, we want to tell you this morning, all the moms that are watching, that are listening, all the mothers in the building today, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, and we want to just declare a blessing over you. You know, before we begin worshiping, that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to just pray a blessing over the moms and a blessing over this service. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm just going to give you a moment. I want you to gather your family around the television, around the computer screen, however you're watching this morning. And I want, if this is what I want you to do. If, if there's um, a family there with the mother, I want you to lay hands on your mom or husband on your wife, the mother of your children. And I want us to just to declare a blessing over them today. Father, we thank you today. You know, often I pray this prayer and I mean it with all my heart. It is your word. But today is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, Lord, I know that you aren't necessarily bound in heaven to, to our earthly traditions and to the things that we celebrate. But Lord, I know that you have made us in your image and in your likeness. And God, you have put honor in us. You have put these, these emotional feelings and these, these, these days that we celebrate. Lord, I know this is birthed from your heart because you are a God of honor. And Lord, the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts that you have ever given each and every one of us is our mother. Lord, I thank you right now for each and every mother that is under the sound of my voice, that is listening right now. Lord, we just speak a blessing over our wives as mothers, obviously, and over our moms, God, over our earthly moms. We just pray, Jesus, over every woman, every mother right now, Lord. We just ask that you would extend your hand and you would touch them. Father, they pour so much out on a daily basis. They give all of their hearts, all of the time, to their husbands, to their children. Father, we thank you so much for these moms today. And we declare a blessing over them. We pray that you would strengthen them. We pray that you would encourage them. We pray that you would just rejuvenate their, their hearts and their lives, God, for their ministry to their families. God, I know many amazing women of God that are called to the ministry of the gospel. But, Lord, their first ministry is to their children. And I thank you, Lord, for those mothers that they, that they give selflessly to their children every day. That they give of themselves even when they don't have to give. They don't have the energy. They may not have the finances. They may not have the resources. But, God, they always dig deep. And they give the best of themselves. And, Lord, we speak a blessing over these mothers this morning. Now, Jesus, as we come into your presence, this is a day to celebrate. To, to celebrate the, the women that you've put in our lives, God, that make our lives richer, that make our homes uh, a loving place full of life and joy and peace. And, Lord, today we speak a blessing over our mothers, over our wives. Lord, we thank you for them today in Jesus' name. Now, we just want to ask you to prepare your hearts to enter into worship because you know what? Jesus is always worthy and today is another opportunity for us to acknowledge him, to give him worship and give him praise and so we greet you today in the name of the Lord and we invite you to just to enter into worship with us in Jesus name.
it looks like we've lost all composure and pride If it feels like we've laid our restraints to the side If we seem desperate, it's just cause it's true If you're looking for a city, for a place to show your glory Who are hungry for revival? 
Thank you. 
I am desperate, immerse me, and I'm not waiting, not anymore, and I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord, there's a hunger, hell of thirst, and I am desperate. Immerse me, and I'm not waiting, no, not anymore, and I need you, Lord, 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 I need you, Lord. There are two types of people in the body of Christ right now. There are those that are content and satisfied, and there are those that are hungry. You know, I want to describe the difference to you because, you know, in, in, in our lives and in the world, and you see in the Word of God that we are told to be content that there's a godly contentment in our lives that the world doesn't understand. And that's a healthy way to live, that we don't overindulge in food that can uh, bring harm to our body. And, and we don't get greedy for money and finances. You know what I'm talking about where, Lord, I'm content. I thank you, Lord, for the, the wife that you've given me, for the family you've given me. Lord, I'm thankful, Father, for the, for the finances that you've given me and the things we have. There's a godly contentment that we have learned to live by but can I tell you that that's not what God wants us to live in when it comes to our pursuit of Him. You know, there are those that have had just enough of God that they've been blessed in their families, they've been blessed in their finances, that God has delivered them from so many things, and that's a good thing, that, Lord, you've been good to me, you've been good to me, but they've gotten content. Lord, I, I know enough about you, I've got enough of a revelation of who I think you are, and you've been good to me, but the Lord is calling His people in this hour to a hunger there are those that have tasted and seen that God is good and they've gone to a deeper place in their prayer life and they understand that they have barely scratched the surface that what God has done and what he is doing is merely a little bit of what he wants to do in their life and I'm asking you this morning are there any hungry people is there anybody out there that is under the sound of my voice that you would say I am not content and I am not satisfied because I know that there is more. I know that God has more for me. I know that God has more for my family. I know that God has more for my church. I know that God has more for my city. I know that God has more for this nation. I believe that there's more. Well, if you believe that there's more, I want you to begin to say, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm desperate for you. I am thankful for all that you've done, but you've shown me that there is more. And so God, raise up a holy hunger in me this morning. God, I want the more. I want
want all that you have for me. I don't want to leave anything on your banquet table. I don't want your fresh bread to go stale. God, I know what you have for me. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm desperate. Jesus, I want all that you have. And you begin to pray a prayer like that. I believe that a new fire is being set in your heart. That the Holy Spirit is beginning to blow in your heart again in this day. You know, I believe with all of my heart that we've been in a season of reset. That we've been in a season of rest. But the Lord is stirring the hearts of his people again. Because just like they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, he says, I have more for you. We're going to cross over this Jordan. There's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And it is a good place. And there will be rest. But there will be glory. So I believe in Jesus' name that we're crossing over the Jordan. And we are entering into a land that is good. That is flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, there will be giants in the land. There will be obstacles. But there will be the glory of God. There will be a move of God. There will be the presence of God. And so Lord, today we say we're hungry. Thank you for all that you've done. We are satisfied in you. We are content in you. But give us a holy discontentment, if I can say it that way. Being grateful for you and all you've done, but knowing that there's more. And being willing and bold and courageous enough to press onward toward the higher calling. Toward what you have shown us that you will do in our lives. So Lord, I thank you this morning on this Mother's Day that you are stirring a holy hunger in your people again. And you are moving us, Lord, in a place of desperation where we won't be satisfied with yesterday. But we know that there's a tomorrow, there's a future, there's a hope, there's a blessed highest, there's a blessed assurance, there's a higher calling. And so, Father, we say, as you lead us to that place, we will go. Lead on, Holy Spirit. We're following you, Lord. Oh, I don't know about you, but when they begin to sing these worship songs this morning, my heart has been stirred, so stirred. But I know that that's God's way of getting our attention because he's going somewhere and he's leading us somewhere. Well, good morning once again. Some of you have kind of tuned in uh, before the earlier greeting. We want to greet all of you in the name of the Lord. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We believe soon and very soon that the Lord is going to allow us to meet again. But continue to remember this. There's no distance in the spirit. What God is doing here in this church, he's doing in your living room, he's doing in your bedroom, wherever you are listening, God is going to meet you where you are. Are you hungry today? Well, I hope you are. Well, we want to continue to remind you in this season that we are a generous people. I love to say that every Sunday because when it comes to money and finances, I'm not a stingy person. I'm not this person that cringes when I have to spend money or when God calls me to give money. I like to be a generous person. But you know what? I realized that I got that from my daddy, from my father in heaven, that he is a generous God, isn't he? Come on, look at your life right now. You don't deserve all that you have, yet he's given it to you. And you have not gotten what you really deserve because we have a beautiful, generous Father in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus all that we'd ever need. And so today I want to challenge you. If you have not been generous to God, begin to be generous to God and watch what happens in your life. The Lord has commanded us to give. 
He has given us that as his people to come in covenant with him, not only with our lives, but with every part of our life, with our finances as well. So we want to remind you at Life Church that we believe in giving. We believe in blessing the nations. We believe in blessing people. It's not about money, but it's about being a vessel of honor that God can flow through to bring blessings to other people. Amen. And so in this season that you can't personally give in the house of God, remember you can mail it to the church. You can give on our app. You can give on our website. You can text to give. And so we just want to continue to remind you of that. And on behalf of Pastor Bob, thank you and the leadership in Life Church. Thank you for continuing to be faithful in your giving. God is on the move. I know the world's in a recession, but the kingdom of God is not in a recession. Can you say amen? My household is not in a recession because I am under the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings that he has given flow down onto me and my family because we've chosen to be generous. Well, I hope that you're ready to worship. I pray that you have your Bible, get your family, your children, get the word of God, and get ready because I know that pastor has a word from heaven for us. In Jesus' name, be blessed.
Every time we did that, it was like I could see the drillers adding another piece of pipe and drilling down deeper and drilling down deeper and drilling down deeper. And there was a water table. They were about to hit a water table. And I remember the scripture that says, with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. God is saying that there is a wellspring that is about to erupt, literally erupt, Amen. for those who are drilling down, who are not just sitting back and wringing their hands and worrying, but realizing that God, you've exposed my weaknesses, you've exposed my shallowness of heart, you've exposed my place of contentment, and God, I'm not anymore I'm not there I'm drilling down I'm drilling down and listen the dust was flying and the dirt was flying and it was just it was scattering to the winds and I saw people walking away going shaking their heads and going no I can't put up with this dryness this, this dust I'm a, I, I quit but there were those who were saying I'm not quitting because if I quit this is all
thank you for the Holy Spirit who still speaks to us today. Holy One of God. Holy One of God. We just pray this day, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Your purpose and plan be spoken and be brought forth in our lives today. For the glory of your kingdom and your name's sake, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Well, praise the Lord. Good morning. Good to have every one of you watching with us today. We are on our Sermon.net app. We're on the Roku channel, uh, on our website. We're on Facebook, and we're now on YouTube, which is a real blessing. I know uh, for those who need closed captioning, they are able to get that off of YouTube. So welcome this morning. We're excited about what God is doing. Amen. And uh, so praise God. If you would, I'm going to, well, I mean, after that, I, I could say we could go home, but uh, <laughs> um, just bring it to me. There you go. It's already synced. Oh, okay. Um, in the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. Yeah. I read this just a couple of weeks ago when I preached a message called The Coming Wave. Just bring it to me. Thank you very much. When you get forgetful, sometimes you place things down and forget them. But I read this scripture a couple of weeks ago on, on, on a message called the coming, uh, the coming, the Wave of Glory, The Coming Wave of and, and it's from the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The message this morning is simply called Preparing for Pentecost. Did you know that this shaking that we just read about, God said, in a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations and I will fill this house with glory. Did you know that this shaking is a promise? I honestly didn't realize that until this past week. When you go back, we're going to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 in just a second. But I want to tell you what, what the setup here is that he's referring to. And if you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they came to Mount Sinai and God told them, take three days and sanctify yourself and get ready. 
because God said, I'm coming down to meet with you. This is what the writer of Hebrews is referring to when Moses and Israel approached Mount Sinai. It says on that third day that God came down and there was thunder and smoke and fire and this thundering came from the mountain and the people were afraid to approach the mountain even though God had invited them to come. And so they sent Moses up and said, you go hear from God and come back and tell us for what he said. And so the writer of Hebrews is, is referring to this when he says this, he says, at that time, that's the time he's talking about, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. I'm going to talk about that latter part in another message. Um, because God is literally shaking the earth, but he's also shaking the heavens. But there's a, there's a uniqueness to that that we're not, we're not going to cover in this. But look what it says. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. That tells me, because of it in being in the New Testament, that he's not just referring to what happened in the Old Testament, but that there was a present day shaking that was coming. I spoke to you just a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about this coming wave of God's glory, that the purpose of this coming wave was to ready the church for that which is coming afterwards, and that is the shaking of the earth and the heavens, okay? But before that can even take place, there's going to be a mighty outpouring of God's spirit to bring in a harvest of souls to the glory of God. But if anything has been made clear to us in this time, and that is that the church in America is not ready for that harvest, or uh, let's put it this way, it's not ready for a harvest or that a harvest of that magnitude. So what is needed is a fresh outpouring as was seen on the day of Pentecost that's recorded for us in the book of Acts chapter two. But here's what's happening right now, and that is that God is having to shake us up to wake us up. And I believe that what the Lord is saying is we, we've got to go back and refocus on the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Now, this is right before Jesus ascends back into heaven. It's been 40 days since he's been resurrected. And now he's about to ascend back into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he turns to his disciples and he says, Do not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I don't know if you thought about this or not, but do you realize that the church of Jesus Christ came forth from a forced lockdown? He came, they came from a time of quarantine, a time of a forced lockdown. Why? Because Jesus commanded them. It wasn't an option. He didn't say, uh, you might want to think about doing this. He said, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Okay? That was a command by God. Now, what's amazing to me is that Jesus tells them this, 
And yet his disciples weren't even really catching on to what Jesus was talking about. He's not, they're not listening or they're not hearing, I should say. They may be listening but not hearing and there's a difference between the two. And, and how do I know they're not listening? How do I know they're not hearing, not understanding? Because in verse six, the very next verse, look what it says. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I think the same thing is happening in our present time, right where we're at and what's going on. Instead of the church, God's people recognizing the purpose of this time of quarantine, this time of lockdown, shutdown, whatever you want to call it, okay, they're more concerned with other things. I talked about this last week. They're concerned with distractions. They're focusing on distractions. And, and so let me try and explain why did Jesus tell his disciples, go and wait for the promise of the Father? Why did he tell them that and not give them an estimation or a, a deadline or he didn't say go wait in the upper room for 10 days or he didn't say go wait for a month or go wait for 24 hours. He just said go and wait for the promise of the father. He, he didn't give him any kind of time frame. Now we can, we can understand that a little bit because we're living in a time right now where government has put controls on businesses, on people's lives, even in some states to the extent you can't go visit family, they've shut down schools, they've clamped down on churches, all those things, and they keep saying until this time or that we see that's appropriate. And so in other words, there's nothing definitive about it. And so the disciples were told by Jesus, go wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Don't leave until he comes. He basically put them in a lockdown and a quarantine. And so I've always kind of thought about that a little bit, but I did some more thinking about it this week. What, what, why was that necessary? I could probably give you a dozen reasons or more, but I'm going to just give you two simple ones this morning. What's interesting is that three of the different gospel accounts record for us an incident that happened among the disciples. Matthew talks about it, Mark talks about it, and Luke talks about it. And what was this event? What was this thing? It was an argument. Spiritual men as they were, right? I mean, they'd already been going out and casting out devils and healing the sick in Jesus' name. And yet it's later in the, after all of that, near the end of Jesus' ministry, they're having an argument about which one of the 12, which one of them is going to, is the greatest in his ministry, is the greatest in the kingdom. And even, and, and, and this is amazing to me, so the, this was going on. And so even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they were dis still distracted from the mission of the kingdom of God. How do we know that? We read it just a minute ago. Jesus says to them, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Their response is not how long or how will we know when he comes or what's going to happen afterwards. Their immediate response is, is it now that you're going to set up your kingdom? And, and what, what's my position? 
I mean, that's how worldly these guys were, okay? They needed this upper room lockdown, if I could put it that way, for God to have time to rid their lives of their egos and their agendas and to seek the Lord and to refocus on his mission. I would, I, I wish we knew, but I have no clue what, what went on those first days. In fact, the Bible tells us that it was more than just the 12 apostles that were up there. I mean, the 11, Judas is gone now. But the Bible tells us that it was his disciples, it was Jesus' mother and his brothers, and it was the women that had followed and supported Jesus' ministry. In fact, we're told there's about 120 of them in all in this large upper room. And they're there waiting for the promise. I don't know about you. I can imagine, I've been, I'm a part of a large family. And I just know when a large family gets together what that's like. Now imagine 120 people who are somewhat related in that they've been following Jesus, but they're, they're in a lockdown for, for nobody knows how long. And they're just waiting for the promise. I don't think they just quietly sat there. I guarantee you, you had the extroverts and the introverts and you had those who were trying to say, I'm in charge here and others who were going, I don't even know why we're here. I mean, I mean, you had all this going on in the midst of it and it just was going to take time for God to work all of these things out among them. Okay, so they needed this time. Because once they had submitted their lives to the will of God and submitted each other to each other. In other words, they spent time recognizing the need and the giftings and, and, the, and, and the blessedness of their relationship with each other. And if anything, this time of separation has taught us how much we want to see one another. We want to spend time together. So this has been kind of an upper room thing for us in that regard, okay? But once they had done this, once they got their minds set on the mission, once they got their egos out of the way, their agendas put to the side, and they submitted to one another, submitted to the will of God, then the next thing we see is that they're getting down to business, literally getting down to business because it says that they conduct basically what we would call today a business meeting and they're electing a replacement for the position that Judas held as one of the 12 apostles, okay? And so they come, they have, it says they nominate, they, they put forth two names and then, and, and, you know, we would normally cast a ballot or whatever, but they cast lots. They basically flipped a coin. Heads, you're it. Tails, you're it. I mean, that's, that's what they did. And, and Matthias became part of the original 12, but they had criteria. They had to have been with us since the time of John the Baptist and uh, from the baptism of Jesus up through his crucifixion, his resurrection. They had certain things that, in other words, you couldn't have an apostle who said, well, I'd never met the guy. I mean, so they literally did business, okay? And what was going on? Not only had they had time to, 
to, to blend as one. Then they got down to business and they appointed. Why was it important to appoint someone to take Judas's place? I believe it was, simp was a very simple thing. And that is that God allowed them to go up there to not only become one in purpose and mission, but they were using the time to prepare for what was coming. In other words, they were using the time to get ready. If, if, if anything, here's, here's what we need to understand. These disciples, his brothers, Jesus' brothers, his mother, the people that were there who had known him so well, they didn't know what the promise of the Father was exactly. They didn't know when the promise of the Father was coming. They didn't even know what it was going to look like or how could they know when it actually took place. All they knew was that they needed to get ready for his coming because Jesus said he was coming. Now, so that's, that's it. And if I think anything, the Holy Spirit is telling us that this time has not just been so that we could sit back and binge watch Netflix or, you know, text our friends all day long and whatever. I mean, listen, I'm not criticizing those things, but it has been a time to get ready for what is coming. So you might say, well, why are you focusing in on this? Well, May 31st, the last day of this month, is known in, in, in the church in America as Pentecost Sunday. It is known in the Christian world as the Sunday of Pentecost or the day of Pentecost. Now I want you to consider something about what's happening this year in 2020. And what I mean is on the timeline of God, something unique has happened historically for you and I. And that is between Easter, which is the resurrection of Christ, and Pentecost, which is the birth of the church, something unique has transpired. Last month, I read of a Jewish leader who stated this, and he stated that it was the first time in 2,000 years of recorded history since the birth of the church, the birth of the church, because the church was not the church until the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter two, okay? And when he came, the church was born that day. Peter gets up and preaches, 3,000 souls get saved, and you started the church. That's what I call a church plant right there. You go from 120 in the upper room to 3,000 plus right then and there. I'm telling you, that's the way to start a church, okay? That's the Holy Ghost way to start a church. But here's what he said. He said something unique that we've never seen in the 2,000 years history of the church was this, that for the first time since that day of Pentecost, the Passover was not celebrated. It was observed. What do I mean by that? He said this. He said, think about it. 
Instead of it being a day of celebration, a day of people getting together, a day uh, in, in Jewish custom, I mean, it's it's a big day. It's a it's a celebration day. It was it's a holy day in which all in 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 New, in New Testament times, the times of Jesus, that all males had to tra- travel to Jerusalem. I mean, it was like. Fourth of July as is to America, if I can put it that way, okay? And so it, it's, it's uh, celebrated. It's a, it's a recognized day of celebration unto the Lord. But he said for the first time since the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it was not celebrated. It was simply observed. And what he said was that for the first time, we were all in our houses praying that the plague would pass over us. And that's how the Passover came about. Remember the death angel in Egypt? If you didn't put blood over the doors and on the side post, he said the firstborn would die. And so he said, if you'll put the blood over the the doorpost, then the death angel will pass over. And that's why it's called Passover. He says, so for the first time in the year 2020, it wasn't a special meeting. It wasn't a convocation. It wasn't a celebration. It was an observation. It was simply observed every person in their own house. So when I read that, I was like, that's unique. And it was then I began to think if for the first time since Pentecost, Passover was experienced instead of celebrated, Could it be possible that Pentecost 2020 is going to be experienced as well? Now, I recently shared this thought with a couple of pastors. I shared with them the vision that God had given me of this coming wave. Of, of his spirit, of his glory. And I shared with them, I have to tell you, I was, I was a little scared to do it, but I, I shared with them the idea of what if. I'm really not into a lot of what ifs because most of the time they're just speculation. And the Bible says, don't waste your time on speculative things. Don't waste your time in empty conversations. You know, that what if, what if, what if. I can't do anything about what if. I am a bottom line kind of person. Don't, I'm not going to waste my hours speculating about this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. I wait till I get the information, then we go from there, okay? That's, That's one of my strengths, but it's also one of my downfalls, okay? But I said, what if the body of Christ in the Lafayette area would join together for 10 days leading up to Pentecost 2020, May 31st, would, lead, would join together in 10 days of fasting and prayer leading up to Pentecost? What would happen? And I mean, it, it, it's like, those that we were meeting, it's like God said, boom, that's it. It was like, it, it was like birth in our 
soul and spirit. And immediately we, we just began sharing and thinking out loud and just, it just started coming out. And so from that, we decided let's take the step of faith. That God is doing something unique in this time and let's take the step of faith. And so we put together a Facebook page and a group. We simply call it the Lafayette Revival Council. Now, council doesn't sound very, but really what you stop and think about it, a council is a group of individuals. They had the upper room council in Acts 1 and 2. Okay, so we've got a Lafayette Revival Council and you'll notice uh, the image that's on the screen and it says, come like a flood in fine print underneath. But you see that wave? Because that was from the wave of the glory of God that I was sharing with them. That God was saying, this is what's coming. And that he's scraping everything down to the bottom. And that he's about to rebuild a new house. It may not look and resemble anything like what it did before. But it's to it's to capture the glory of the Holy Spirit that's headed our way. And... Um, Jesus, help me. A, a couple days ago, I received an email from someone who used to be from here. And they had been on our website. And recently we took down uh, a, a number of messages from a year, two and a year and a half, two years, three years ago, simply because we pay storage for them to sit up there. And I figure after a few years, nobody's watching them or looking at them anyway. And so this individual contacted me by email and said... I, I'm looking for the specific message that you did on, on uh, the, the Jewish feast in the fall. And, and they didn't know which one it was in particular. And I said, well, um, can you tell me kind of what it was and whatever? And I said, well, here's what I'll do is I'll look for it. If not, I know we have it on DVD and I'll upload it again so you can find it. And so... Uh, I knew that before I had deleted those, um, I had downloaded them onto one of my hard drives on my computer. And the thing is, when you download it from um, uh, lifechurchla.com slash messages, you can download videos and audios uh, to watch later, put them on your device, whatever. Um, it downloads it with, it doesn't put the title of the message. You have to go back in there and rename it. And so I had a whole slew of, of messages that had name, it's like numbers and letters this long. <laughs> I said, I don't know which one's which. I said, well, let me click on it and look at it and scroll through the, for, the worship time and get to the to front of the message and see what the title was. Long story short, last night as I'm looking through like the umpteenth one and I'm about to quit, all of a sudden, I'm scrolling through the worship time to get to the beginning of the message. Hopefully that the title of slide is up and I'll know if that's the one he's looking for and I can upload it and rename it and upload it for him because he lives in New York now. And he said, I, I, I just, I, I wanted to see that message. And so anyway, so I'm scrolling through uh, towards the end of the worship time and all of a sudden, there was a prophetic word that I had given. And it was in March of last year. 
And I, I clipped it last night. Meant, I thought about bringing it, but I said, well, no, I'm not going to say it, but I should have brought it because now I'm referring to it. But it, it talked about the fact that when we were singing a song, God gave me a vision and I saw a wave coming. I didn't even remember this. It was, I saw a wave coming, except it was a tsunami wave. And I, 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 I talked for about three and a half, four minutes of what I saw coming. And then the prophecy came about a tsunami wave of glory that was coming and that was going to cleanse his church. And I was like, whoa, this was in March of 2019. And now you're seeing it again. And, and, um, and then the, the day that I had preached the message about the coming wave, somebody had, uh, who listens and who's part of the church is a part of an online Bible study with some women out of Texas. And there was a prophecy video that was done about five waves that were coming. And they sent that to me. And I was like, whoa, God, you just, you're just saying, it's coming, it's coming. It's time to get ready for what's coming. That was my whole purpose in telling you that. And so we, we as I share with them, we have decided that we're going to take 10 days of prayer and fasting. Now the date up there is incorrect. I, I, I wrote to them this morning and said, that's 11 days. I know most people wouldn't think so, but you got to count 21, 22. And so 30th would be 10 days. The 31st is the day of Pentecost. Now in the, in the Bible, Jesus ascended on the 40th day and on the 10th day Pentecost came. But we felt, I felt specific that we take 10 days of prayer and fasting, uniting the body of Christ around Lafayette. And, and up in the top corner, it says calling for a fresh Pentecost. That's what it was all about. Calling for a fresh Pentecost. It'll start on Thursday the 21st and go through Saturday the 30th or Sunday the 30th and then Monday is, is the 31st or I think it's in Monday the 31st or is it Sunday the 31st? I don't remember. Well, anyway, we call it for a 10 day fast and, and so we, we began to think, okay, well, on this day we could all meet at this church and on this day we could meet at this church. And this, I said, that's never going to happen. I said, because hopefully by then people are getting back to work and, and traffic is, you know, I said, you're going to have a handful of people who can run from this side to this side to this side to this side. I said, but if there's anything that we have learned is that through technology, you can just pop on your phone or on a tablet, on a computer or something, and we can have a meeting and we can have an upper room prayer meeting and, and each day is going to have a theme, going to have a topic, have a, and I said, if the first day's not about repentance, then forget the whole thing. I said, because that's God's key is repentance. And so we're, instead of trying to physically and run and go to places and things like that, we're going to do this because it's important that we have, instead of just having people pray sporadically. In other words, this one's praying for this, this one's praying for this, this one's praying for this. I said, no, we got, we've all got to be on the same page. We all have to be saying the same thing. Why? Why is that so important? Because when the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came, it says when it had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It's not a car. 
That ain't a Honda. That ain't what the Accord is they're talking about. The, the Accord, the word there is like a bowl. In other words, they were, they were in one mind. They were all together. It was all shared, all mixed together. They were all with one mind and one accord, one purpose, one vision, one focus. And I said, if we don't, then you'll have this person praying for this and this person praying for this. What if the people in Lafayette and surrounding area joined together on social media or a church's website, whatever, and we began to pray in one accord. Even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, it's not gonna be long, but what if we joined together and prayed together? See, for too long, the body of Christ has been divided and God has been speaking to people during this time of quarantine and he's been showing them areas that they need to surrender to him and he's been showing them how our, our agendas have been conflicting with the mission and purpose of God. And if, 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 the, if the church of Jesus Christ can unite with singleness of purpose to repent, to surrender to God, to listen and obey the Holy Spirit, to seek God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then God will hear from heaven and God will send a shaking, a new day, a fresh wind of Pentecost. In Acts chapter two, beginning with verse two, it says, and suddenly, I am praying for a and suddenly event for Lafayette and surrounding area. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. My friends, can I tell you, there can be an and suddenly online event if that's what God chooses to do. And his spirit, his spirit be poured out over here and over here and in this living room and in this living room and in this house of God, whatever, wherever it is, and it says that where they were sitting. And then look what it says. Then there appeared to them what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How incredible it would be for an outpouring of God's Spirit that the people of God begin to speak that which the Spirit of God is saying. See, I believe it's time for the wind of God to blow fresh and anew upon his church. It's time for the fire of God to fall fresh on his people. And it's time for a renewed anointing to be released for the fulfillment of the great commission. I believe, say I believe with me, right where you're at. I believe that it's time for the fulfillment of Acts chapter two, verse 17 and 18. That says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and even on my servants. In other words, there's no one that will be left 
left out. When God pours out his spirit, he says, even on my servants, both men and women, he says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. We prophesy. What's happened is they become of one mind, one focus, one vision, one purpose, and one church. And they begin to speak with singleness of voice. And they begin to prophesy. I read this just two weeks ago. In Haggai chapter 7 and verse 9, 7 and 9, it says, I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. And verse 9 says, And the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. I'm going to make a statement that I'm about to close. But listen to me. What if? Hmm. What if Pentecost 2020 is greater than the first Pentecost? Now, I can hear it right now. There's some people who are probably thinking, that's blasphemy. (laughs) Is it really? I mean, think about it. Hasn't God said in the book of Joel that the latter rain will be greater than the former rain? Yes, he has. Hasn't, didn't he say through the prophet Haggai that the coming glory of God's house is going to be greater than the former glory of God's house? If God is able, and he is, I said he is, as David declared when he stood before Goliath and he stood before the army of Israel at the taunting of the giant who would come out every day and he looked at them and they said, that can't happen. You can't go against him. You're not the man to do it. No, you, nobody is big enough to do it. And he says, he says, why are you allowing this giant to taunt the people of God. Why are you allowing this giant to taunt the army of God? He said, and he, I love this statement. His young man, he, they people looked at him, probably thought he's just a cocky little young guy and he's just arrogant and full of himself. And he said this, he said, is there not a cause? <laughs> In other words, Give me an argument that that comes against the fact that this uncircumcised Philistine is cursing the people of God. That's a cause we're dying for. And I believe with all my heart that God is saying that it's time. It's time. It's time. Because it's just time for someone somewhere to say, is there not a cause? Is there not a... A reason that we join together in prayer and fasting and calling upon God to believe that what God did on Pentecost, the first one. Look, if if Passover 2020 is the first time it was observed rather than celebrating since the birth of the church, then I believe that there may be something very prophetic about Pentecost 2020 and a mighty outpouring of his spirit across the globe. I'm believing that God is about to pour out his spirit worldwide and and it's time for the church to wake up. I read this quote the other day. And man, I loved it. 
when I read it. I, I put it up on the screen for you, and it says, nobody loves a warrior until the enemy is at the gate. In other words, those who are willing to fight, those who are willing to take a stand, everybody wants to shut them down. Everybody wants to silence them until there's an enemy at the gate. And then they're saying, here's the hero. Here's the guy that will deliver us. Well, my friends, when I read that, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, can the church not realize that the enemy of God and the enemy of church is not only at the gate, he has infiltrated the church itself. He has slipped in as a wolf among sheep and he's lulled the church to sleep. And we're seeing it played out in the culture of our nation. I, I, I'm gonna just say it this way. I predict, I'm not prophesying, I'm not a prophet, but I came close to saying it. But I predict that the church just might be the deciding factor to what happens in America. How can I say that? I didn't say that. God said that. Where did God say it? I've been saying this over and over again. It's the key to seeing revival. It's the key to seeing the glory of God come into his house. It's the key to bringing healing to our land. And it's 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. God said, when I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, and when I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence on my people, if my people... It's not guaranteed. It's guaranteed if his people will do what he says. But he doesn't say, I will relent after a period of time just because I'm a nice God. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. We are standing on the cusp the precipice, if I could put it that way, of something mighty that it could happen in our nation. I believe that God wants to bring a third awakening, but the manner of how that comes and when it will come has everything to do with if my people will do what I say, then I will move. If we just sit back and go, well, we gotta wait until the governor says we can do something or the president says or some court says, no, 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 no. My friends, the Lord himself is said, when I send this upon the land, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. And God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent is what the Bible says. And I'm telling you, 10 days leading to Pentecost, but I'm, I'm gonna challenge you right now. You do not have to wait until the 21st to begin to seek God with your heart. 
You do not have to wait to the 10th day period of us joining together. What would be better would be the people of God letting the Spirit of God grip their heart right now and right now begin to call upon God and repent of before God. And, and and look, somebody's gotta be the John the Baptist who goes to ahead and prepares the way for the rest to follow. And, and listen, it, it, you know, they talk about this herd mentality. It's time for someone somewhere to stand up and say, I'll be counted in. You can count on me. Is there not a cause for this day and for this hour? All we have to do is look at the church and the sad condition it's in. Look at our nation and it's in the serious condition it's in because of the failure of the church to stand between the porch and the altar and to call on Almighty God. I'm saying I'm not waiting to the 10 days before. I've got my mind focused on Pentecost. When that Pentecost Sunday's coming, I'm waiting for that Pentecost. But I'm telling you, now is the time. Today is the time for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. And I want you right where you're at at home, if you'll stand up right where you're at, if you're able, lift up your hand right where you're at right now. And just like the picture on the slide, got your hand up like this and saying, Lord, it's time for a fresh Pentecost of my life. Pour out your spirit, pour out a move of your spirit. God, pour, empty my life of everything that doesn't belong, everything that needs to be put aside, everything that's bringing conflict against the kingdom purposes. God, let me be a trailblazer. Let me be one who goes before and says by the spirit and by the unction and anointing of God that God, something prophetic is on your timeline. Something prophetic is on the timeline of God and it's about to happen. You're about to witness history. I, I believe that. You say, what will it look like? I don't know. I don't know any more than those who went to the upper room. They didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know how they would know it. They didn't, but they didn't. It didn't matter. They went anyway. And God is saying, get into the upper room. Get on your face before me. Begin to seek me. Begin to call on me and let me take those things out. That, that vision I had, that word I had last March, it says it's like a tidal wave. It wasn't like a, a wave of the ocean that crashes and then recedes. If you've ever seen a tidal wave, it comes in and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps pushing and it keeps pushing and it keeps going inland and it doesn't stop. It doesn't go back out again. It just keeps on coming with the full force of a tidal wave. And that's what the Holy Spirit said he's coming to do. I believe Pentecost is gonna be like a tidal wave of God's spirit. It may not be manifested by the city council meeting down there and tongues of fire on their heads. It may not be manifested with tongues of fire or wind blowing through the sanctuaries of our city but it can be manifested in the hearts and lives of God's people. And then when you go out 
into the city. You become a roaring fire. And every place you go, you're setting it ablaze. For the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. And if he's a consuming fire, it's time to let him consume us. And that we become an extension of who he is and where we go. It's time. It's time. Would you lift your voice right now and say, It's time, Lord. It's time. Wind of heaven, come. Wind of heaven, blow. I see that drill rig going deeper and deeper and deeper and it's about to hit the water table of God's Spirit. The Bible says in the days of Noah that God opened up the, the wells of the earth, the springs of the earth. It didn't just rain from heaven. It opened the earth and water came forth. God, do it again. It's time. Come on. It's time. It's time to see the prodigals come home. It's time to see the lost of your family come home. It's time to see the division in the churches end. It's time for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit again. It's time. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. You can't tell which way it's blowing from one moment to the next. But I'm telling you, if you can feel in your household what I, we sense in this place right now, it's time. It's time. Fire of heaven, come and consume us. We're not interested in just a little warmth a warm touch. We're not interested in keeping a safe distance. God, we repent for we've relied too much upon the man of God going up to the mountain to get a word and bring it down to us. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts within the body of Christ. But God, the church today in America has been too much like the people of Israel and they've shirked back from the mountain of God and they've said, go get a word and let us hear it. And if we approve it, then we'll give you an amen.
No, 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 no. God, you're raising up. You're raising up in this hour. Oh, you're raising up in this hour. A people, not a person, but a people who can hear the voice of the Spirit, who can hear what He's saying. And it's in unison because your spirit doesn't speak in division. With one purpose, one mind, one, one goal, one focus, one spirit, one church. God. God, we lift up our nation to you. The enemy is at the gates. We lift up our state and our leaders, our city and parish leaders. Will there be a voice that will cry out? John the Baptist cried out. He didn't leave his place. But the words that he spoke resounded in the nearby cities so much that the people came out to where he was to hear those words. God, is there a man or a woman who will rise up and will say, thus says the Lord God. Is there a man or woman who will go to the throne to get fresh oil poured out and the word for this hour and this day. Jesus. Oh, shakala baba sota. Na 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 kosandalaka. God. We're calling for a fresh day of Pentecost. Only you can do it, Lord. We ask that you do it again for your glory, for your kingdom, and for your name. I pray today that this message has been won that just will stir you. I want you to mark your calendar on your phone, your tablet, or if you've got an old fashioned calendar, circle it. 21st through the 30th, we're praying. We'll be going, we'll be giving you more information, but it's gonna be going live on the Lafayette Revival Council webpage. People from around the city will be leading in prayer. We'll put up the topics and the themes for each day ahead of time so you'll know, so that we're in one mind and one accord, believing for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. I bless you now in the name of Jesus. Let His Holy Spirit witness to your spirit and say, it was good to have been in the house 
the Lord. I speak this over you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.